You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, White Sox fans, guess what? Before you know it, it's another podcast with me, your host. My name is Brett Ballantini. I host these podcasts. And guess what? It's an intimate affair. We have 75 staff members, but only one stepped forward, as he often does. I will even say usually does for a group podcast. It's Super Joseph Rhesus. Manning the Indianapolis field office. Uh, Crystal O'Keefe, the other half of the field office, has been working overtime with six-pack of stats. Evidently could not take time out to join Joe and, and be legit uh, in a full Indianapolis field office effort. But uh, understanding the burdens there, you are really carrying the entire office on your shoulders, Joe. Uh, you know, no pressure, but... Uh, Hey, let's get uh, number 64 rolling. Uh, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Yes, great to be here. Thank you for having me. Okay, we are going to, uh, hey, you know, we're in the dog days. I guess we're past the dog days, but we're still in dog days because the White Sox have run away with this division. And so really the last, I don't know, two months of this year are going to end up seeming like the White Sox are maybe playing out of string. Of course, we're still going to micromanage every single game, even though the results, the day-to-day results might not be the, the biggest deal. It's certainly not going to make or break a division win for the White Sox. It seems inevitable that the White Sox are going to be winning the division. The magic number is now 18. Cleveland has somehow worked itself back above 500, which was unexpected, but we'll see if that lap, if that holds. Uh, running down the usual stats before we break down this team, Joe, the run differential pace for the White Sox is 97 wins. That's slowly gone down over the course of the season because they're just not playing very well in the second half. The legit just straight on winning percentage, if you project it 
to the end of the season where they're at right now is a 93-win team, which, again, anybody would have taken before the season began. White Sox are the third best team in the American League. They're just a half game behind the Astros, and believe me, that half game is going to play a big role in whether or not the White Sox can do much in the playoffs if everything holds for another three, four weeks. Uh, If they still end up behind Houston, trouble. If they can eke ahead of Houston, certainly not going to catch Tampa, eke ahead of Houston just to get that home field in the first round. Uh, If it turns out that those two teams are still two and three in the American League, uh, that's going to be a big advantage, White Sox. But of course, there's a lot of stuff to talk about and might just be material given the state of the starting rotation. So, Joe, uh, we talked last podcast, last Mothership podcast about what the White Sox need to do against Pittsburgh and Kansas City, go 5-0, and go on 5, whatever. And, I, you know, I think you've always been pretty reasonable. You're like, hey, you know, I want them to win 5, but if they don't, I'm not going to throw myself off a cliff. I've got responsibilities to the Indianapolis field office. Uh, so understanding a three and two a little stretch here uh, certainly left some wins on the table, but uh, not disastrous and sort of doesn't really matter. Anyway, Joe, your feelings about the team here heading into action next on September 7th. Yeah. So this past five games against relatively weak opponents, uh, I, I would say three and two was about as well as they should have done. Um, I'm, Fine playing it safe as far as allowing, as far as not uh, asking pitchers to have too heavy of a workload um, when a a top priority should be making sure that everyone is healthy um, for next month. Joe, given that Tony's already done that in the first half of the season by working the starters of death, but we'll get to that. Go ahead. Right. So, yeah, the three winning three out of the five doesn't upset me. Like, obviously, today's win left a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth just because the offense just was not really doing anything. I mean, just just the six singles, uh, not not going to win too many games like that. Um, but overall, um, it, I, it was a like they took care of business against Pittsburgh. And um, it's just Kansas City, they've had trouble against them this season uh lost the season series 10 to 9 but you know that's just some some randomness going on there i think and um you know that 19 game sample size isn't super large um kansas city is just you know a tough place for the white Sox to win and so it doesn't surprise me that much that they dropped two out of the three and is not really a reason to hit the panic button um Joe, I'm going to play the alarmist role because if the White Sox can't win in Kansas City, I don't know how they're going in Houston, but okay. You know, I mean, of course, we all know that. So, you know, uh, does it seem, uh, Joe, to you, I don't know. It seemed like they played a bunch of games like first month of the season. And then they, you know, they're obviously they're, they're done now, early September. Uh, When the, when the Royals were better, uh, when they were even briefly in first place, it seemed like the White Sox played them better early in the season. It seems like since they've sort of become lame, they're like maybe going 50-50 against them. And I wish that hadn't been the case. I wish White Sox had realized, hey, wait, they're actually not playing above their heads anymore. They don't have some strange first place confidence like they had uh, in April. It'd be nice if they could say like, wait, this is Kansas City. Uh, how are we getting six singles against Kansas City? But those games are in the rearview mirror, I suppose. Absolutely. And... Yeah, maybe it's just a feeling of we, um, you know, we don't have to take these games against uh, this team particularly seriously. I don't know if there's like a slightly different mentality that has gone into that or if it's uh, I, I but I would think the more likely 
outcome is it's just you know as hawk used to say you win 60 and you lose 60 every time and i think uh just yeah this past series were two of the games that they two of those 60 where they just lose um regardless and um you know they just happen to come against the royals this time around Joe, I'm not going to call you out, but we're not 10 minutes into this. And, you, and you're and you the numbers guy. You're the analyst. I'm not. I'm just a clown. And you're invoking Hawk Harrelson to somehow rationalize this team. Okay, I'm clearly playing bad cop in this podcast like I, like I usually do. But let's talk a little bit about, I mean, clearly this, 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 this question answers itself, I suppose. But at the current state of this White Sox rotation, as unbelievable as it's been for at least a good 120 games. I know we're at the whatever, 130 mark, but I mean, certainly through the all-star break, unbelievably dynamite, well beyond anything we could have hoped to work, given the question marks going into the season. Uh, it's not uncommon or unheard of for guys to wear down and maybe even break down uh, in, in the dog days, uh, whether you're a playoff team or you're a team that's just going to go home on October 3rd. But this White Sox team is obviously going to the playoffs. They're going to need health top to bottom uh, as much as possible for the postseason. And the, the rotation is showing its biggest cracks at a point where we really would rather not see it. Uh, we have Lance Lynn on the injured list, and you could argue that's just Lance Lynn taking a breather. Cool. That's fine. Lucas Giolito, hamstring, certainly, thank God, not an arm, not a shoulder, you know, not a head, not a chest, uh, you know, a hamstring. Oh, okay. Uh, Carlos Rodon, we now know, getting pushed back. I'm not sure if he's pitching in Oakland or not, or just pitching later in the Oakland series, but he needs a breather. He's fatigued. He's admitting he can't get out there. And he came back. The big worry was, would he, would he pitch again this season when he first went out? Okay, good. It was answered that he could pitch again and pitch all right. But now, what, when two, two, uh, two starts maybe after that injured list thing? One start, two start. Uh, now already fatigued again. And I understand important to do it now. You can miss a game against Oakland or Texas if you're sure to line up against Houston or Tampa. But uh, give me your assessment of the starting rotation because it's it's making me, uh, the nails are still pretty long actually, but it's making me start to bite the nails, Joe. For sure. It's, yeah, I, there's a number of concerning points about the pitching staff right now. Uh, I am, yeah, it, it's certainly nothing to scoff at as far as these recent injuries, but um, like you said, important thing is getting them back for a, an ALDS matchup against what will likely be the Houston Astros. Um, but um, yeah, important, certainly important to make sure that players are, are um, well rested, much better to be safe than sorry with regards to with regards to the recent injuries that have popped up. Um, but um, on, on the bright side, I felt that earlier in the season, the pitching, the uh, rotation was largely carrying the team a lot of the way. Um, and with the return of Luis Robert and Yasmani Grandal, who are on fire, um, it's, they've like, they've had less of a, responsibility to carry the team and they've been able to win a few games even without having a good um, performance from the pitching staff Um, for example on the 
Saturday game, um, Lopez and Kopech had rough nights, but you know they managed to put up 10 on the board. Um, and prior to those injuries, I don't know if like, prior to the reco- the um, return of those players I mentioned, the Robert and Grandal, um, I don't know if that gets done. Um, so, um, yeah, mainly I'm hoping for um, them to just get back with the team for October. Um, it's certainly concerning um, recently seeing that seeing them hit the injured list, but just hoping they get back to it. Again, you're a clever guy, Joe, so it's no surprise that you chose the Saturday game to talk about because, of course, a great example of what would be the equivalent of maybe a get knocked out of the box if you're a starter maybe in the third inning would be today's game, Sunday's game, where the White Sox muster six singles against Kansas City against a starter who has incredible potential but has not put it together this season uh, and that's a, a team at fairly close to full health. No Tim Anderson, but uh, some of the excuses that could be used, no Eloy, no Luis, uh, are not around anymore. And when you come out with an effort to win a series with six singles and get handcuffed by uh, a rookie pitcher, uh, that's problematic. But you know what, Joe? We're going to talk about the problematic offense or the great offense because you're going to find some great numbers for me. I know I'm going to be very, very encouraged. My nails are going to go real long. They're not going to be nibbled at at all. Uh, but we're going to do that after the break. We're going to take a quick break here on the Southside Sox podcast number 64. We will be back with Super Joseph Reese's in just a moment. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, guess what moment is up? It is a Mothership Podcast number 64. I am speaking with Joe Rhesus. And Joe does a, he does a, he does a clever thing here. His coverage uh, for, he covers both the minors and uh, the major league team. And his major league day, I want to say it's Tuesday, he does a little double dip. He dips into the six-pack of stats he dips into regular game recap, which is a load of work. It's not easy to do. He takes on a big day those days. So he deserves and earns the fact that whenever they win, that's a double win for him. Joe Rhesus, he is back in the game on the standings board. He's just a half game out of first place among all our recappers. Uh, it's no small feat because we've got some pretty good records out there. I believe I believe it's one, two with the Indianapolis field office. I believe Crystal O'Keefe still just is nudged ahead of you, Joe. So Indianapolis is representing for the White Sox. If we did not have Indianapolis, the White Sox might not even be heading to the playoffs. That's what I'm trying to say. Anyway, welcome to the second half of this show. We talked a little bit about the pitching staff. I don't even know. We may just skip the bullpen because they're sort of depressing anyway. Kopech, 
I mean, I think we tweeted out uh, who would have ever thought that Michael Kopech would have almost double the ERA in almost the same number of innings as Ronaldo Lopez before the season. I think the answer would be zero people, but uh, that's where we're at now. So even Michael Kopech, the guy we thought was nails and might even get spot starts in the playoffs. Now it's like, okay, you know, pitch with his left hand. What's going on? Let's get this guy straight. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the lineup, Joe. I'm you know, it's concerning when you see an effort like Sunday where you really pretty much still have, uh, you're pretty close to full strength. You're never, let's face it, Joe, you're never going to be full strength, certainly not in September, probably not in the playoffs. Usually opening day, you're not full strength. White Sox were hit on the offensive side by a ton more injuries than was was fair or was average. But then on the other hand, their pitching staff was relatively intact. Now we're seeing that flip and the offense has got to pick up maybe the starting rotation in the bullpen. And on a game like Sunday's, um, and even Fridays, um, you know, maybe they didn't do that. Uh, is there concern? Do you think this is a offense that's still gelling? We got guys who are still relatively new coming back. Luis Robert, as Grandal took a pretty decent pause. Uh, Eloy Jimenez. I mean, these are guys who missed substantial portions of the season. Uh, do we just give them more time? Is there concern that this offense isn't gelling the way we want it to? Because playoffs seem a long way away, but you know, we're 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 a month and ticking. Yeah, I think this might be an issue where some of the players are just not gelling, like you said. Um, it's just uh, when Gavin, like Gavin Sheets has gotten quite a bit of recent playing time. He's been solid. Um, I don't know how much I would be comfortable asking him to do in a high leverage situation in the playoffs. Um, obviously, for the sake of fatigue over a long season, I know, yeah, Grandal is you know, recently back from injury. Um, he's really the only catcher who I trust um, with a um, like with a starting role come playoff time. Um, and yeah, I, I know that there's been a debate of Zavala versus Collins. I, I do agree with the majority recently of Zavala being better. Um, they've been pretty similar overall at the plate, and Zavala is certainly a better defender. Um, but really neither of them are very promising as the, um, on the major league roster. So, um, having Grandal, um, back and catching nearly every game come playoff time will be, will be big for them. Um, cause again, yeah, like sheets just don't have that much confidence in Zavala right now. Um, and it's difficult to also emphasize uh, to oh it's difficult to overstate how important Tim Anderson is to the team and um they're like when he goes to the injured list there's just kind of a different level of I guess energy on the roster and of course um yeah there's less TWTW and there's less overall production um he's you know solid shortstop um on just a great two-way player overall and it's been great to see that over the past few seasons um probably face of the team right now if I had to pick one and um having him back will go a long way for them ladies and gentlemen that is Joe Reese's data analyst uh numbers guy 
uh, socks math champion 600 times over. That is his second citation of Hawk Harrelson in this podcast. And I probably won't forget that. I probably have stored that in my head now to remember to tease and chide Joe with, but yes, the TWTW of Tim Anderson is off the charts. And here's the problem. You, you, you point out that when he's not there, the team is different. And absolutely. We're seeing that proven right now. Here's the problem. Um, Tim, for what he does when he is on the field, has found a way since he's really moved into that upper echelon. You know, he's, he sort of had the first half of his career was sort of getting his legs under him, getting into becoming a major leaguer and becoming a star in the middle of the infield. With all the improvements he's made over the last three seasons, including this one, and of course, last one being, um, you know, a third of a season. Uh, he's uh, even scaled to last season. He's only played about 75% of the game. So that's 25% of the games. The White Sox are expected to somehow find that gear without really the, the, the motor of the lineup. And I mean, you know, injuries, injury, what can you do? But uh, that's unfortunate. You'd like to see a full season from Tim because this team would be even better and not just projected to only, only uh, nine, those were air quotes for those of you listening. Cause I know most of you do only 93 wins. Let's, um, Let's move to, oh, I'm sure a favorite topic of many of our listeners and readers, because the, the debate about Tony La Russa is always a delicious and delightful one to them. And I know there are many people who want to yell at me and people like Lee Allen about uh, harping on some of the shortcomings of our manager, despite the fact he's in the Hall of Fame. And listen, there's no argument. This team is in first place. He hasn't, um, you know, he hasn't um, crashed the team, so to speak, Joe. But, um, you know, today, <laughs> post game mentioned how the three home runs, three home runs, and that is, I believe, in our coverage today, it came out eight eight of uh, Salvador Perez's 41 homers, which, by the way, different captain Salvador Perez is not a Hall of Famer, but he keeps hitting 40 homers at age 85 or whatever he is now. He will be in the Hall of Fame. Yes, he will. Uh, but those three homers, Joe, were preventable. <laughs> and, you know, you'd think... The guy who like makes out the lineup card and calls probably I imagine calls most, if not all the pitches and, and I, you know, has a pretty, I would guess sort of heavy hand on the team might have a role in the preventable home runs. Um, If you combine team war, if you combine run differential, which is sort of the soup I put together in terms of the managerial war that I like to do that no one else pays much attention to or cares about and, and scoffs me over. Uh, the White Sox are about four, uh, four wins less than they should be at. This team should be even at a better pace than they're at. Um, that falls to some degree on Tony. Maybe it's bad luck, bad weather, um, catching all the toughest pitchers. Um, some of it could be luck. Travel, uh, bad food pregame, postgame. I don't know. But uh, I think some of it, if not all of it, has to fall on the manager's shoulders. So talk to me a little bit about your level of confidence in and Tony and what he's shown and will there be a different gear between now we've got a month stretch run to the playoffs there will be playoffs for the White Sox and then into the playoffs do you expect a different gear from a guy who's been away from the game for for a decade or have you seen things leading up to now that says okay listen he's playing more of a long game he is playing some sort of chess here uh calm down I don't think he'll shift into a completely different gear uh, I I think that's you mentioned the statistic of the gap between their actual wins and their expected wins, which I think is a completely fair to point out. Um, I, I think I would 
put maybe a little bit less of a share of blame for him on that than probably you would, but it is still worth noting for sure that, I mean, there are a couple of games um, during this season where, you know, he makes the decision not to challenge when really the downside of, of challenging it is basically zero. Like, you know, you get into the sixth or the seventh (laughs) inning and and you just have nothing to lose at that point to do that. He's got somewhere to be Joe. He's got somewhere to be. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, So like, that's an issue. Um, hopefully we don't see that coming up again. Um, the couple of other major issues that come to mind would be, of course, the whole issue with Mercedes against the Twins a, a few months ago. That, that one was probably the dumbest thing he's done all year is you know, defend the Twins decision to throw at him. But yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'll ever get over that entirely. Um, but you know, it's in the past now. And, um, like I will have to admit, like, I thought he would just be a bad match for this team with a a, a very, you know, young group with, uh, full of guys who aren't afraid to challenge the conventional Mm -hmm. unwritten rules. I, I just figured that he would mess with that culture. And despite that, fit which seemed to be a bad one it it's worked out okay for him and the players seem to like him and that is important I think to point out yeah unless there's something we don't know about we're not hearing about and I think it would even in this zoom era uh more would leak uh there'd be more throwing under the bus and hints uh you're right uh somehow this mesh has happened and and you know something when we first heard in the news that was probably our first concern not, not even well there are a lot of concerns but in terms of a practical sense the biggest concern was how how in the world you go from you know papa ricky Ranaria to now a guy you know admittedly not tony's fault i mean shoehorned into a situation where over years you know they've gelled through the rebuild uh, you wondered how he would mesh there and it does seem like with maybe a few missteps uh, that gel has been pretty good. And, and let me make it clear. Part of the reason of, of trying to come up with something like a managerial war is to uh, take the emotional element out of it. People hated Ricky, by and large, hated Ricky Renneria. Um, the truth is, last couple of years, he wasn't nearly the poor manager he was early on. The whole idea is to try to isolate managerial performance. And I know that sort of goes hand in hand with the general manager job. And yes, it goes hand in hand with pregame food and weather. And yeah, I know it's a lot of stuff, but uh, the manager is the guy who bears the most responsibility for that stuff in between the lines. And right now, Tony's in the negative. Uh, if he was in the positive, I'd be acknowledging that. Like, I cannot believe this, Joe. Uh, this guy is doing better than, than expected. He's given this team for, if it's 2005 and it's Isaac Ian, it's like, this guy has been magic this year. He's added like six wins to this team. And, you know, th- that's the point, as you know, uh, despite your predilection for Hawk Harrelson, you know, as a data guy, you know, listen, the black and white doesn't, you know, lie. We got the spreadsheet. It's tell, it gives you the number and you say, well, okay, that's what it is. Now let's try and figure out how we explain that, but okay. Uh, so, you know, if you think I'm just out to dog Tony LaRusso, no, I want him to be great. I want him to somehow make up the deficit he's already created for this team over five months. I want him to make it up this month. I want him to be at least even, I want him in the playoffs to just make us shake our heads and go, holy cow, this guy, He's magic. Okay. He's magic. I'm um, not sure that'll happen, but uh, I just thought some of the comments post game were entertaining, you know, aside from the fact that he's the way in 
like voluntarily on Albert Pujols. It doesn't always just seem like, and maybe this is his long game. I'm just not going to get stressed about any individual game, Joe. Uh, I know you fans are freaking out and everybody's on Twitter crying. Uh, We don't want to lose a series or a season series to Kansas city, but I don't care. We're in first place and I'm focused on the playoffs. And if that's his long game, great. We win a world series. I don't think anybody's going to argue about whether his managerial war is, um, you know, negative four, who cares? They got it. They got a ring. So they could have won 100 games and won the World Series. Okay, big deal. Who cares? But uh, some, 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 some calm words from from Joe Reese's just uh, keeping it steady as he usually does. Uh, you know, it's a good foil. We got good, good cop, bad cop, good fan, bad fan. Uh, we're both eating similar food, though. That's one thing. You're not like eating a big slab of ribs, and I'm eating the elotes. When we're sitting down at the ball game, Joe, we're pretty much eating the same food. Absolutely. And there's a few others. It's a big staff, but there's a few others and good for all of them. One day we'll just have, maybe in the off season, we'll just have, uh, you know, we'll just have the, the, the vegan vegetarian, the Southside Sox podcast. And you know, if nobody listens, I don't care. We're still going to do it. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, that is Joe Reese's. And you know, again, dad analyst, big numbers guy, been, been hardcore six pack of stats from the start. Uh, he's made, maybe done more than anyone. Him and Ashley Sanders probably run a neck and neck there, but again, gotta say, Hawk Harrelson devotee. Absolutely. Big, big fan of the Hawk and his numbers. And you know, what can I say? Who, who might argue with, you know, he's, he's the data guy who might argue with uh, Joe. Um, well, I don't know if we've provided listeners um, uh, hope, uh, disdain, fear, but I know you probably tried to pull in the hope side and there's nothing to feel bad about. Uh, this is a first place team that's going to make it to the playoffs. Just a matter of who they draw. And let's hope that, the top 26 on the team are uh, close enough to full health to make maximum damage, win or lose maximum damage in the playoffs. And I'm sure that's what the team is uh, aiming toward. And that's what we as fans are hoping for as well. So uh, thanks for providing a steady hand and some calm. And again, the really citing the key Hawk Harrelson stats, because that's really what we need on these podcasts. Yes, my pleasure. I'm very glad I was able to bring him into this. Absolutely. Next podcast where we need more Hawk content, I'm not going to even record it without Joe there. Well, thanks to Joe. Thanks to everybody listening and reading and sometimes even watching without you. We're not here and there's no purpose for us doing this. You might argue there's no purpose for us doing a podcast early in September when everything is pretty much predetermined. Anyhow, I don't care. I'm not going to listen to you if you say we don't need to do one because we're probably going to do one another couple of days too. That's just how we roll here. We give you more content than you could possibly ever want. And it comes at a very low, 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 low subscription price. That's the nice thing. It's a win-win for you. So still and all, thank you for listening. Thank you for reading. We'll be back with more Southside Sox Mothership podcasts probably sooner than you want one.